I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia, and we have a mailbag edition of the podcast lined up for you today. Um, asked some of our subscribers at InsideTheU.com to drop questions that or talking points that you want us to uh, discuss. So we are going to attack those in this podcast. Uh, wanted to start with some of the newsy stuff, Gabby. First, though, um, last week, the kickoff times were announced officially for Miami's first three games. Uh, so the Bethune-Cookman contest, uh, the season opener, will be at 3.30 in the afternoon at Hard Rock Stadium, Saturday, September 3rd. Um, next week, Southern Miss, uh, Saturday, September 10th uh, is a noon game at Hard Rock Stadium. And then the interesting one, uh, you know, arguably the biggest game on the schedule, either Texas A&M or Clemson. Um, but the Texas A&M kickoff time is set. Uh, that's Saturday, September 17th at 9 p.m. at College Station, Texas. So, Gabby, what are your thoughts on the nine o'clock kickoff time, Texas A&M on ESPN? Yeah, I I feel like the the NBA finals just uh, just sort of was a was a mini was a mini buildup for that. Right. These late 830 p.m. uh, Eastern time, you know, tip off. So, I mean, I'm for it. I mean, it it is what it is. I think if you're a Miami fan, that's that's one of those things you just kind of do, you know, maybe get that mid midday power nap in. I mean, depending on how active of a college football fan you want, but uh, you know, it's going to be sort of a pack 12 after dark type of Saturday, um, you know, type of event for Miami fans. I mean, it's one of those things you got to stay up and just sort of ride out. So it is what it is. It, it, it's definitely late uh, here on the East coast, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's prime time football, man. I mean, these are the, yeah. these are the type of games you want Miami playing in and you know, this is what happens sometimes. Yep. So it'll be an eight o'clock kick in Texas. Um, but yes, nine o'clock here on the East Coast, uh, which means the game probably ends, what, 1230-ish? Easily, yeah. Um, yeah, 1230 to one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said it, primetime game. 
typically ESPN plays a big time SEC game in that nine o'clock window. So Texas A&M, one of the top SEC teams going into this season. Uh, that's one of the more interesting non-conference games for the SEC. And, and uh, you know, I don't think it's a slight or anything that Miami is, is having to play in that quote unquote late game. So interesting times. I do think um, it's worth noting too. I didn't say this, but the Bethune game and the Southern Miss game going to be ACC network uh, televised games. So um, football season getting closer and closer. The other newsy thing I want to touch on, and this, this kind of transitions into the first question, Gabby, um, from our subscribers. It was finally announced officially that Alonzo Highsmith, the UM, former UM star running back, is now officially part of the program. His title, I believe, is General Manager of Football Operations. Um, comes from the Seattle Seahawks. Spent a lot of years, uh, you know, as a, as a front office um, executive at the NFL level. A lot of years with, I believe, the Packers. Also worked with the Browns. Um, most recently, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so he got. He uh, wrapped up his duties with the recent NFL draft. Uh, and then about a month later after this 2022 NFL draft, he is officially announced as joining the program. So um, DEHMIA251 asks, uh, how much of a game changer is Alonzo, uh, his hiring to the program? So... I'll let you go first, Gabby. Just your your overall just feelings on this hire. What's your biggest takeaways with that announcement? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of like a it's it's about time, right? I mean, I feel like Alonzo Highsmith has been linked to Miami and you know a potential role with Miami for I feel like for a few years now, and it felt like Mario Cristobal being here that was probably the best actual opportunity for that to happen. So you know, I think it's definitely big to get you know someone so seasoned and you know the NFL and, you know, what an NFL player is supposed to look like, right? Like he's, you know, does a lot of evaluations of the college guys obviously was with uh, Seattle through this past NFL draft. And, uh, you know, I think he's just someone that understands, uh, you know, what characteristics the NFL likes in players. And obviously you're trying to litter your roster with NFL guys. Cause if you litter your roster with NFL guys, there's a good chance that you're winning games on Saturday. So I, I think it's good to just have another set of, you know, veteran eyes, a guy that obviously cares about the program a lot. He's been, you know, very open about that over the course of the years. Um, you know, I think someone that really feels like he can just bring something different. Um, again, I think this is a big sort of operation in terms of, uh, you know, just, personnel, I guess, and you know, just who they've added and what it's going to look like. I think it's just big. It's grand. It's, it's what you want a major college football personnel department to look like. And, you know, with, uh, with Alonzo Highsmith sort of spearheading that again, given his, you know, what, what is it like 15, 20 years of NFL experience, um, you know, has done it at a high level with multiple, you know, notable programs, um, or programs, organizations. Um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a really big win for Miami. And I think having him, you know, down here is, is, is just a, another sort of, I guess, tangible, like something you can actually look at and see and just be like, yeah, like this is Miami sort of taking things to the next level. Yeah. I think it speaks to the investment that Miami's making, right. 
you know, as a university, I think it's also a, a cultural hire. Um, you know, Alonzo is going to be aligned with Mario Cristobal. They're both old school canes um, that are all about hard work and accountability, which I think, you know, specifically that accountability factor is something uh, culturally that does need to change with the program. Um, and, and, you know, you touched on it too a little bit, Gabby, but um, even though Alonzo Highsmith does come from the NFL level, um, in his role, he traveled across the country visiting uh, the biggest, most successful college football programs in the country, right? Scouting players, talking to those college programs, um, you know, administrators and coaches. And so in that way, he knows um, what, you know, a modern day successful college football program is supposed to look like, how it's supposed to operate, right? Um, and so he, in that same way, falls in line with athletic director Dan Radakevich, who comes from Clemson, right? Um, Mario Cristobal comes from Oregon. They've had it rolling there for a little bit. Um, Mario Cristobal also had time at Alabama. Mario Cristobal and Alonzo Highsmith know what it looks like at Miami when it's rolling at Miami. So I think it's, it's another step towards, um, you know, adding another voice in the room that knows what it's supposed to look like and just helping Miami transition in the modern day, um, helping Miami get there. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, he's, he's a guy that's going to help establish the culture that Mario Cristobal wants to establish. So, and then, yeah, the, the other things you were touching on, like an eye for personnel, he's another guy that, that Miami, Miami can lean on for, you know, another set of eyes in recruiting and evaluation and all that type of stuff. I don't know how involved he's going to be with that. Um, but I do think he will be involved in that in some way, right? Like his opinion will have weight. Um, so yeah, I, anything else on Alonzo you want to touch on? No, I mean, I think that's, that's good for me there. I, I do think I will say this, like, don't get me wrong. Like it is a, it's a big deal and it's, it's yeah. very, it's cool. But to me, the, the bigger, like, I, you know, I feel like we get caught up in the moment and, and blow things up into something to be bigger than it is. Um, to me that the biggest hires of the past year, and it's not even close Mario Cristobal, Dan Radikevich. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it says something that Alonzo Highsmith wants to work with a Mario Cristobal right. and Dan Radikevich. I think it says that, okay, Miami's it's another example of Miami's getting serious and attractive people want to come to Miami now. And that's a good thing. Uh, but don't get it twisted. Like, the success of Miami, uh, their football program lies with Dan Radikevich and Mario Cristobal. Uh, next question comes from Tags305. We've all been very excited by all the positive energy and big time moves since Mario took over. Putting all that aside, I still look at the roster and see eight to nine wins. Is this too pessimistic or is it realistic? Can they win 10? Um, but if you're asking most likely outcome, uh, with the guys we have out there, 
I still find it hard to go above nine. Would love to hear your takes. You want me to, you want me to take this one? Go first, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's kind of where we've both sort of been, right? Like, I feel like yeah. that's kind of like the fence that we've sort of been on. Like, you know, I think we both think it could be not like nine, potentially nine 10 wins. Probably where I'm at now, right? Yeah, and I think that this is what, you know, Tags305 is saying. That he still looks at this roster and sees eight, nine wins. And I think in a lot of ways, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think that this roster is a, you know, surefire 10, 11 win team or anything like that. I mean, I think that there's still holes um, you know, yes. in a lot, in a lot of parts of this, of this team. And, uh, you know, again, I think this is a team that can push for 10 wins, but I think that eight, nine win mark is probably more realistic for year one. And again, we've talked about how, you know, some of the additions in the transfer portal, like, you know, key Mesador, um, you know, Caleb Johnson, you know, Darrell Jackson, you know, those types of guys that they've added, you know, post spring, um, you know, those guys, have, I have, yeah, they help that win total. Like, especially, I think we both agree on Akeem Mesador, just kind of what we believe yes. he's going to be uh, for, for this defense. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't blame you for seeing that it feels hard to go above nine. I think uh, anything above nine would be, uh, you know, definitely a big win for Miami. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I think that nine number is probably like the strongest bet right now, at least in my eyes. I think if we're talking in a vacuum of like Ross, just roster, right? Is this an eight, nine, 10 win roster without accounting for the schedule? I, I also land somewhere eight or nine, right? Now, I do think it is possible Miami could win 10 games this year. And the reason why I think that's possible is because I, I do feel like this schedule is pretty favorable. This might be the most favorable schedule Miami's faced in a long time. And the reason is because the middle class, you know, specifically like the, the coastal division is kind of a train wreck. If it's a lot of transition, right. um, you know, there's like, like, yeah, in hindsight, like last year, nobody saw Michigan state being good, um, which could happen in this year's schedule, right. That could happen. Um, but like, Miami opened last year with Alabama. Um, that's that to me, that's a way tougher test than Texas A&M, right? That's a way tougher test than what we think Clemson's going to be this year. Um, so, and yeah, just you look big picture, right? Like Michigan state, that was two power five non-conference games this year. Texas A&M is the only power five non-conference game. It's still a significant game. Um, I just, and, and the rest of the coastal division is significantly weak. Um, it's a lot of first year head coaches um, after coaching changes have made Pittsburgh. Um, you know, losing Jordan Addison is a significant blow. Oh yeah. And you know, I, Pittsburgh to me still is very good. Their defense is still going to be good, specifically their defensive line. Um, but losing Jordan Addison from last year's team on top of Kenny Pickett, right. Who we already knew they were going to lose via the NFL draft. Um, you know, Pittsburgh is good enough to beat Miami, but, um, you know, now I think Miami's clearly the favorite against Pittsburgh as things stand right now. Um, and you know, the wrestlers like Georgia tech, their coach is, kind of scratching and clawing for his job. 
I would say Mike Norvell. We'll see how the first six games of this season go. Um, but his seat could get warmer if, if they don't get off to a, a strong start. Duke is Duke, Virginia Tech, new coach, Virginia, new coach. North Carolina is a headache for Miami. Um, but they got some transition stuff going too, right? That North Carolina game, honestly, might be the best barometer about right. what's this team going to be. If Miami goes out and handles North Carolina, I think we're going to feel really good about that second half of the schedule. Um, but yes, that was a long-winded way of saying roster-wise, to me, it's an eight or nine-win roster. But Miami's schedule is pretty favorable to the point where I could see 10 wins. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wouldn't push back. I mean, just like, again, like Pitt loses Jordan Addison, Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs, I guess maybe gave him a little bit of a scare, but he's not there anymore. So no more Georgia Tech. And then, you know, North Carolina also, you know, working in a new quarterback. And Drake May could be pretty good. I'm not saying that right. that's like a guarantee that that's just like, oh, he new probably quarterback. will be. Yeah, he's probably going to be pretty good. They still got Josh Downs there. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see, again, I, I think Miami could play into maybe that 10 win mark. But I think, again, on paper, maybe eight or nine wins is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, I mean, in the SEC, eight wins would be a great year, I think, with this roster. Um, Big 10, eight or nine would be a great year. Um, the ACC being down, specifically the Coastal. Like, to me this year, when you look at the Atlantic Division and the Coastal Division, to me it's not even – yeah, it's not. and I'm not even saying the Atlantic's like stacked, but like they just have better returning quarterbacks. Right. They're just they're just a stronger division this year, um, which it is what it is, right? Then go out and win ten games because um, recruits don't really know the difference. <laughs> they just exactly. see the the win total at the end of the year. Right. Um, J Black three thirty four asks over under commitments for the month of June. I don't really know where to set this line, honestly. Like, because uh, I mean, two and a half. I yeah. honestly, I think like July will be bigger because I think, yeah, June's like a visit month, right? Right. June's like a visit slash camp month, and so guys are kind of just sorting stuff out still in June, and then um, you know when they, if they want to make a decision before their senior senior seasons, they will do it in July slash August. Um, so June, you know. Two and a half, honestly, might be a little high. Yeah. But I'll set it at two and a half. Yeah, I mean, I maybe, I mean, I don't know. I might take, I feel like I was really optimistic with, I mean, I, I could see it going either way. Like, I could see the overhitting. Like, I just like kind of like touching on what you said. Like, June is a lot about just getting out there and taking these official visits. I mean, guys have four or five official visits lined up for June. So, like, a lot of these guys, like, maybe some kids will, you know, take that first official visit, fall in love with it, and you know, maybe pop. If not, I mean, they're typically going to go through like the four or five visits and that pushes things into July most of the time. I mean, again, for these guys looking to make summertime official visits. So uh, maybe a couple guys pop and just decide, you know, this is where they want to be. But I could, I would, I mean, I, I might take the under honestly in June just because. Uh, so where I would mean, you I, set it at one and a half? Yeah, I probably say it at one and a half. I mean, I guess two and a half is fair. But, I mean, I might take the under. I mean, I guess we got to see how this quarterback situation plays out and then see right. how, if maybe one other guy jumps on board or or whatever it is. I mean, I could I could definitely see that, like something like that playing out. But uh, I think July is probably probably when things get rolling. 
Next question comes from BA4 Canes. What position from a recruiting standpoint are you most concerned about as of right now? And which position are you most excited by from a recruiting standpoint at this phase? Yeah, I mean, probably the position I'm most concerned about might be safety. And that's just because I feel like that might be just like the most blurry um, of like of each of the situations. I mean, I think cornerback, I think defensive back in general could probably have a, you know, could probably be just like a blanket answer um, just because, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of just big question marks there in terms of like, what is where is Miami going to pivot at cornerback? Where is, wh what are they going to do at safety if they don't get like a Jonel Guerrero type? Um, you know, I think Miami's done some good things there, uh, you know, especially with Jamal Day, you know, sort of spearheading things there. But, you know, I have some questions about, you know, who exactly it is that they like outside of like Jonel Guerrero and Jaden Bonsu, you know, two guys that are both highly sought after that a lot of big time programs are, are sort of coming after. And then it's, you know, there's a bunch of other sort of names out there, but I feel like nothing has been super concrete. And then at cornerback, I mean, it's just kind of been Damari Brown, but Damari Brown isn't a shoe. -in. And then if, if it's not Damari Brown, where do you sort of go there? I mean, there's the Jakeen Jackson who just visited. There's Robert Stafford uh, and you Gailey uh, Malik Muhammad, I think is going to be a really, really tough pool. And it's just like, if you, if you know, one or two of those sort of don't fall your way, I mean, Kay and Lee up in Georgia as well. If a couple of those don't fall your way, it's just like, where are you going to pivot to? I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm that's probably what I'm most concerned about right now. Um, safety. I mean, I feel like Miami typically figures it out. I mean, they've recruited the position, you know, as well as basically anyone over the past, you know, three cycles, uh, corner has been a problem in the past. Maybe it wasn't so much last cycle. So, um, I think those two are probably the most I'm concerned about right now. Um, excited by, I'm kind of excited about like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a couple different positions I can go, uh, can go for here, but like tight end, I feel like there's like four or five, like really solid options at tight end that I think I can kind of get on board with. And yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, those are Riley Williams, uh, out of Portland, Oregon, who's, you know, going to take his, I guess, third visit to Miami this summer when he comes down for an official visit. Um, Jackson Carver, who's a lacrosse type of kid, raw, but, you know, legit six, seven, um, you know, definitely pretty physical type of kid that I think, uh, you know, they're really excited about. You got a uh, Julian Randolph, who's, uh, you know, again, a kind of long basketball background kid from, from Virginia. I think he's pretty nice. Um, Reed Mikeska out of Texas is another one who Miami's battling Oklahoma and Florida for. And then another one, I think it's his name's Jackson uh, Magonu or something like that. He's a Cincinnati commit who I think is originally from South Florida, from what I understand. Uh, I think he like attended Miami games growing up, and I think Miami's pretty excited about him too. So I think there's five solid uh, tight end options. Um, I think you can get pretty excited about, you know, what's going on on the offensive line too. I think they have a lot of, you know, pretty intriguing options there. They'll I figure think it out there. Yeah. They're definitely going to figure it out there. Receiver. I mean, there's a bunch of guys we've talked about. That's them who at I length was on this. Say. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, you could always go receiver, but I mean, I feel like we've talked yeah. about them so much. I wanted to spice it up. a little. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, I feel good too, honestly, about D line. Like, yeah. I think D line is another one. Pretty good spot with the D line. Yeah. But yeah receiver. You know, Robbie Williams committed. Um, feel good about Jalen Brown. And then uh, Andy Jean, they're chopping wood on it and in a pretty good spot, I think. So um, I like it too, because, and Lamar Seymour committed. Uh, they're all local guys, so I like that. Um, and it's the upside still there too. Like, you never know with Hakeem Williams, you never know with Brandon Ennis. Um, keep them engaged, and you just never know. Um, worried, 
don't know if worried is is the right term, but I just want to see what Emery Williams does when he camps. Yeah. So quarterback to me is just like, I don't know. You this is this is going to be the first quarterback, uh, like real quarterback recruit of the Mario Cristobal era, because he inherited Jakari Brown and kept him in the class, and that's great. Um, but this is this 23 cycle is his first full quarterback recruiting cycle. And uh you can't you can't miss on quarterback. So I don't know if worried's the right word. I'm just like, I'm keeping an eye on that one. Right. So, and it's, it's the most important position, right? You can't, you can't mess that one up. So that's how I'll answer that one. Um, next question from Irwin 20, 2002. Do you expect us to land a top quarterback or is Emery Williams going to be this class is quarterback so let's define top quarterback as like top two four seven right okay um i i kind of i mean things could change right maybe he doesn't perform well or whatever maybe he decides to go somewhere else um but i i kind of right now as things stand now i assume emory williams is going to be miami's quarterback in this class yeah i mean i i would definitely assume that emory williams is is a quarterback in the class. My thing is, is he the only quarterback in the class? And how right. does Miami sort of operate, even if let's say Emory Williams does go ahead and and decide to, you know, pick Miami or whatever it is? Does Miami just shut it down with everyone else? Or do they again, if we're talking top quarterbacks, I think the most realistic top quarterback at this point is probably Dante Moore, uh, who's the five-star. Uh, out of Detroit, Michigan. I think he's probably the most realistic option of the top guys right now. And like, does seems Miami... like the Rashada thing is really like, it just seems like Rashada is not as interested in Miami. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different factors that probably go into that, but I think Miami's probably on the outside looking in there. And uh, you know, from what I understand, you know, Dante Moore still seems pretty interested. I've heard that from, you know, a couple different, you know, sources at this point. Um, and I just think he's someone, I put this in the, you know, VIP insider that I wrote last week. Um, you know, that I think Dante Moore is one of these guys that could take this into season, which, you know, is pretty, is pretty unprecedented for, you know, one of these top signal callers, you know, they t- typically want to be in a class and help sort of, you know, sort of be the foundation for these recruiting classes. But I think, you know, what, what teams do here in 2022 is going to be, you know, really impactful in that recruitment from what we understand. Um, you know, he wants to play for a championship contender. Like he wants to, you know, hoist that trophy at some point of his college career, you know, before he, you know, in hit, you know, goes off to the NFL or whatever's next for him. So, um, you know, I think a, a strong season from Miami, I think could put them in a pretty good spot. I mean, let's not forget he's already visited three times and, you know, Miami's not really necessarily down the street for him. So I think that's a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, Josh Gaddis has a longstanding relationship, you know, dating right. back to his time at Michigan. Uh, with Dante Moore. So I know that they were really close as well. So, you know, again, if yes, I would say Emory Williams, probably the quarterback of the class, but is he the only quarterback in the class? And that's probably where my mind's at right now. That's fair. And I'm putting you on the spot and we honestly, we don't really know, but do you think right now, Emory Williams will be the only quarterback if, if he commits in June, July? 
I think he'll be the only quarterback if they can't get a top guy to if like they can't so, get Dante. Moore. Yeah. I don't think they'll get Emery Williams and another, you know, maybe, you know, three star, like another like 84, 85 type, you know, I think if, uh, I think if they could pair Emery Williams with a top guy, I think that that's something that they could potentially do. Okay. And then the question becomes, would Emery Williams be cool with that? Right. right? Exactly. And it looks like, you know, looking at Dante Moore's profile, he doesn't, at this point, have any official visits set in June. Um, I assume he's going to go visit spots, but it looks like he visited LSU and Oregon. It's marked as official visits. Um, yeah, I think they were. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think he'll get to tech. I think he's going to get to Texas A&M too, but I think maybe this month, but I'm not sure if that's official or unofficial. Okay. And one other thing with Dante. So, you know, like, and I think it's true, right? Like there's a sense that Jaden Rashada um, NIL is important to him. Right. 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 I think, I think it's also fair to say that's going to play a factor with Dante Moore. Correct. Yeah, I think so. But I think the general feeling with Dante Moore is that like, he's maybe just like, maybe not one of those types of guys where he's, you know, walking through the doors, maybe like, you know, saying that, you know, Hey, here's the starting point of what it's going to take to get me. I think he's really trying to figure out which program is best for him. I think that's something that, you know, uh, that's, a, that, that's something, that's another reason why, you know, Miami was maybe, turned off. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, I think that's, I think that's what they like about Dante Moore that you can tell he's one of these like, you know, big name quarterbacks that's legitimately trying to find the best fit for him. You know, I don't think he's worried about the price tag. I'm sure he'll make his, his money through, you know, his name, image and likeness and all that stuff. But I think what he wants more than that is finding a place where he can win. And I think that's a reason why Miami, you know, remains really high on him. Okay. Uh, Next question from, Sean Locke one. Can Miami compete for an ACC championship this year? How good do you think Miami can be in 2023, given what's here and the players most likely to be in this current recruiting class based on your answer to the first question? So first question, can Miami compete for an ACC championship this year? I mean, yeah, I think they can, right? I mean, I think that they can come out of the Coastal. And I think if you come out of the Coastal, you're competing for an ACC championship. Like, you know, again, we were talking about it earlier. Like, you're looking at the Coastal and what it's been with Jordan Addison out of it, with Sam Howell out of it, with, um, you know, uh, was Jameer Gibbs out of it, not saying Georgia Tech. New coaches everywhere. Yeah, new coaches, uh, new situations. Kenny Pickett's out of the conference. I mean, with Pitt, who just won the ACC championship, they just lost their two best offensive playmakers. You know, yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at the Coastal right now and you're sort of, you know, just, you know, bird's eye view, I think you're looking at Miami as maybe the most like, you know, promising program in there with Tyler Van Dyke coming back and Mario Cristobal coming in and, you know, him winning a couple Pac-12 titles. So, yeah, I mean, I think right now Miami can win for the eight, can't compete for the AC championship. I think that's probably everyone's goal in there. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to how much does the defense raise their consistency level? Um, and which, like, do they have a guy emerge at receiver that can be a playmaker, right? We all saw how big a deal it was when, um, Charleston Rambo and Tyler Van Dyke had that impressive connection, right? Um, can they, can Tyler find that with a receiver this year too? Because, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, and, and don't get me wrong, Charleston Rambo is, was good, a good receiver for Miami last year, set records, 
stepped up, made plays, all that stuff. But coming in, right, Charleston Rambo wasn't like a freak. Um, he had to improve in, on plenty of things from his Oklahoma days. Um, and so I think there's kind of a, a little bit of a sense out there that Charleston Rambo made Tyler Van Dyke. I would push back on that big time. I look at it more so like, to me, Tyler Van Dyke unlocked Charleston Rambo. Right. And I think the NFL draft kind of makes that clear too, right? Like Charleston Rambo, very good player. I would have drafted him in like the seventh round, sixth or seventh round, um, but he wasn't drafted. So, um, you know, who's going to step up on the outside for Miami? They got a lot of guys with talent, uh, but who's going to actually go out and do it? If they, if to me, if Miami checks those two boxes, defense slightly better, um, and they still have a, a playmaker on the outside at receiver, I think they can definitely compete for what is overall a down ACC. Clemson isn't the superpower it was when they were rolling with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Um, still have a nasty defense but they have some questions of their own too. Uh, so yeah, I do think it's possible. Would I predict it? Um, would I predict an ACC championship? No. Would I predict them getting to the ACC championship game? I need to, I'm not quite there yet. You know, we can make those predictions maybe prior to game one of the season um, after we learn more about this team in fall camp. Uh, and then the second part of this question, how do you think, Basically, I think it's, do you think Miami can compete in 2023 based on what's on the roster coming back? So the biggest thing, right, would be Jake Garcia, right. most, yeah. most likely the quarterback, which is good. That's a good situation. Um, Zion Nelson, you'd, you'd have to replace. Uh, I still think you got to use the portal. You got to lean into the portal heavily on defense. Yeah. Um, and maybe two on the offensive line still a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be nice in year one of the Mario Cristobal era where, you know, even eight wins to me is fine as long as he sets the culture. Um, but year two, 2023, he's got to win 10 plus games and he's got to win the coastal. That's to me, that's where things need to be at in terms of expectations. I mean, I think that's fair. Again, I mean, you go get a top, you know, you go pay what you pay for Mario Cristobal. Then, yeah, I think with anyone, you know, that first year is kind of a grace period. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think in 2023, and, yeah, you're going to have to replace a lot. You're going to have to replace Tyler Van Dyke. You're going to have to replace uh, Zion Nelson. Uh, you know, a couple guys on defense that, you know, could potentially go pro, like, you know, Nikki Mesador, uh, Tyreek Stevenson. Um, you know, those types of guys, you're probably going to lose, you know, Caleb Johnson, of course. But, you know, I think you got to feel pretty good about the secondary with James Williams, Avante you know, Cam, those guys, you know, you're going to have an older, maybe Chris Graves who could probably emerge. Let's right. see if I, this Isaiah Wesley. Dunstan. Yeah. Wesley in his second year, who's going to, you know, fully get it at that point, you know, maybe Nigel e. Kelly, you know, you got the right. Cyrus Mosses, those types of guys that could potentially emerge. Let's see how many of these running backs test the NFL draft waters, second year Travante citizen, you know, I think, and then you got Romello Brinson as a, as a junior, uh, you know, Brashard Smith as a junior, you know, Xavier Restrepo, assuming he comes back as a, you know, veteran slot, you know, senior there. So, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot to be excited about in 2023 with, and, you know, again, you got to feel good about the quarterback situation with Jake. So, yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, again, 2023 is when this thing I think needs to get rolling again. You're probably going to have yeah. to go portal and I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of 
approach that on a year by year basis and to what extent Mario Cristobal sort of leans on it over the course right. of his tenure at Miami. In year two, you don't want to lean at it on it as much as he has this offseason. Um, but he'll have to lean on it still, maybe six to eight guys in the portal yeah. as he continues to stack recruiting classes, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's hard. And that's what makes it so hard to even project a year from now what things will look like because the portal is a game changer for rosters. Um, you know, you look at like USC, they've like totally flipped their roster right. via the portal. And, uh, you know, this time last year, I don't know if USC fans were as confident as they would be right now going into this season. So um, overall, you just got to trust that Miami has a legitimate head coach that knows how to do it, get it done. But first, you know, you got to see how 2022 goes before you start thinking about 2023. Um, so much can change during the course of a season. Um, next question comes from Paul Erickson. Mario's identity as a head coach is clear and reflected in his hires. It feels like we are seeking a certain identity in recruits. You guys talk to kids who the coaches are highest on and know them. How would you characterize the identity we are of the, I think basically the personalities and identity of the recruits, Gabby? I'll say this and you can just take the rest. In my experience, right, when you, when a program starts fishing in the pond of elite players, right? I think in general, most of those players are alpha personalities, right. more, more confident. Um, that just kind of comes with the territory. And those are the type of players that Miami needs to get back to recruiting and landing at a higher level, you know, on a consistent basis. That's, that's where I would start. You know, when, when you start, when you start recruiting elite players, it's alpha dogs. And that's the type of culture that Mario Cristobal wants. Have you noticed that? I mean, I know you're fairly new to this, but like um, a different vibe in recruits, just talking to them, you know, these elite guys compared to guys. I mean, Manny Diaz did recruit like James Williams was right. an elite guy. He's an alpha dog. Um, but it's just more James Williams types is how I would characterize it. Yeah, I mean, definitely those types. I mean, those are the recruits that I think everyone in the countries are, are, are trying to get their hands on. I think, you know, of course, those are the types of guys that Mario Cristobal wants to get, you know, high-level competitors, guys that are going to go out there and play, let's say, like, you know, even, even, for example, like in these spring games, you know, there's a lot of guys that didn't have to go out there and play. I'll use Cedric Baxter as an example. You know, he, he got, ended up getting injured like two plays into his scrimmage, but he walked into that spring game, you know, just not, he didn't, he said he wasn't fully healthy, but he wanted to go out there and, and compete anyways, because he loves football, you know? So, you know, I think those are the types of guys that, you know, Mario Cristobal is trying to go after and get those guys that are, are going to push it even in, you know, situations like this, where no one would have blamed Cedric Baxter for just, you know, having a, just being on the sideline in a, you know, in a Jersey and, and shorts, you know? So, um, you know, I think those types of guys for sure 
Um, obviously, you know, the, from a person, I mean, personality traits, I mean, they all range. I mean, all these kids are all so different, but yeah, I think the one thing that they, that they sort of lean on is, is that competitiveness, uh, you know, guys that are, are willing to be competitive at multiple sports, you know, guys that want to be the best, not only in football, they want to do it in track, they want to do it in wrestling and they have those sort of mentalities too. So, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think those are the types of guys that, you know, Mario Cristobal is trying to go after and get. And again, it's the same pool of guys that, you know, Alabama's recruiting and, you know, Ohio State's recruiting and, you know, all these major programs are recruiting. I mean, Mario Cristobal is not really going to back down from those battles or, you know, back down from trying to get some of those big alpha types or those big high level competitors. And then just the guys that are just dudes, you know, that are just clearly better than everyone else. So yeah, I feel like a lot of different ways to answer that question, but I think ultimately, I mean, those are the types of guys like Mario Cristobal is just trying to get the absolute best of the best. And typically the guys are the best of the best. Like you mentioned, David, are, are those alpha types that, you know, just love to get after it and love some football. Putting on the spot, but is there anyone like during the spring or, or this month that, that you've spoken to or, or you're like, you're just like, man, that guy is a confident guy, alpha dog. Like, I mean, this, it's pretty obvious. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an easy answer, but like, whenever I speak with Brandon Ennis, it's just yeah. like, man, that guy's a pro that guy yeah. gets it. Um, is there anyone that stands out to you that way? I, I, I think Brandon's a really good example of that. I mean, someone that I think is even like that uh, in, in some ways, it's like even like a John Walker. Like, I think he's one of those okay. big guys that just like sort of stands tall, you know, just sort of like, you know, just how does that a little bit of like that sort of swagger about him that, you know, just seems like a really, really confident kid. And uh, I think he's one of those kids. And I think that's a part of why Miami likes him. I mean, even just talking to people, you know, in the program and all that stuff, like they've talked about John Walker as a guy that like, you know, he's not fair, like, he doesn't care about the photo shoot. He doesn't want to take photos or anything like that. He wants to sit in the film room and he wants to know how you're going to make him better. And I think that he's one of those types of guys. And again, I think that's another trait, maybe even going back to that, that like Miami sort of values. I think when you bring kids in for these unofficial visits, I think they are able to separate the kids that are here for the photos and want to post on Instagram and look cool. And there's a difference between the kids that want to go there and are literally in the film room with some of these coaches when they're able to sit down and do all that type of stuff and are there to learn and really Really trying to trying to evaluate how they can maybe grow or you know just fit Mario Mario Cristobal system and all that stuff. So I think on those unofficial visits, I think Miami's able to get a pretty good sense on you know those types of things too, and I think that's important. Josh Chevy asks, "What's your evaluation of Trevante Citizen? Uh, strengths and weaknesses? Do you think he could have a similar season to Byron Cardwell at Oregon last year?" So. Last year, Byron Cardwell was a freshman for Oregon. He ran for 417 yards and three touchdowns, averaged 6.8 yards per carry. Um, Got most of his opportunities in the second half of the season. He did have a big game against Colorado, um, explosive game. He ran for 127 yards and one touchdown on only seven carries. So, um, I guess first, let's just start with Trevante Citizen. Like, you know, I think physically he's kind of like the prototype of what right. Mario Cristobal, are. basically like an SEC running back, right? He's going to be 220. He's going to be uh, a guy that breaks tackles. If I was going to say a weakness, and, and look, this is nitpicking, right? He's a big time back, but he doesn't necessarily, to me, have like elite, elite speed. Right. And that's the thing. Like if he had elite speed, he would be a top 50 player in the country. He would be a guy that was, you know, pushing five-star status. 
uh, but he doesn't quite have that top, top gear. I still, I still think he can hit some home runs at the college level. Um, but really to me, he's going to be like a grinded out running back, uh, consistent five yards per carry breaking tackles, wearing down a defense, which is what Mario Cristobal wants. Yeah, I mean, again, I think SEC running back is a great way to sort of describe him. Um, not like maybe that top end speed. I mean, I'm just looking here at his track times, 22.51 in the 200 meter. So I guess if you average that out into 100, so he's basically like an 11.25 guy, which is still pretty, you know, it's still pretty fast. You know, it's not yeah. like he's, it's not like he's slow. Um, I'm really excited about Trevante Citizen. I think the, the knock would be probably that speed. Um, you know, again, if we're, you know, talking NFL combine when it's time to sort of get on the lasers and run, I think that might be four or five. Yeah. I think he'll probably be in that range. Which is fine. Cause yeah, he's exactly. a bigger guy. Exactly. I think he's going to be totally fine. I mean, I, I'm a, I like what he is. I don't know. I think this is the type of running, but these are the type of running backs that I think Miami needs to sort of get. Cause these are the type Correct. of backs that typically go to the LSUs, the Auburns, or even like the Floridas, again, the schools Correct. that were sort of battling it out for him and they have good careers there. And, you know, they, they become bruisers in the sec. So um, I think that was a big win for Miami on the recruiting trail. And then, you know, the, the second part of the, the question, they compare comparing him to Byron Cardwell. I think, what the what Josh Chevy speaking to is, you know, can can Trevante be a 400 yard back as a true freshman? Do you think basically can can Trevante have that type of opportunity this year? I'm, I'm not sure just because they do have these three older guys. Um, again, how much better is he really going to be? I mean, some of the photos that have come out of like these summer workouts of Trevante citizen, like are kind of just like wowing. Like, I mean, he's, he definitely does not look like a true freshman in my opinion. Um, but again, you do have some of these older guys, like how, if Don Chaney's healthy, Jalen Knighton's healthy. Um, I and think obviously it depends Henry on how they perform. Right. And that's the thing early on, like, if let's they say don't perform. Trevante could get, he could definitely get in there. Right. I think he will get some run. Definitely. You know, I, I could see him getting some run in November. Um, and if, if the guys, the older guys don't produce sooner than that. So we'll what see. I'm, I'm going to be interested if like, let's see how many like yards he can get. Maybe in that Bethune game, if it gets out of control, right. can he break one? Oh, he'll he, play in that game. Yeah, sure. I think he'll play plenty. I mean, could he, could, could he give himself like 80 or so yards in that game to maybe right. get him, creep him close to that, maybe that 400 yard mark? Like, I mean, who knows? And then let's see how it goes the rest of the year. They love him. So yeah, for sure. I think. I think he's going to get on the field. Um, but yeah, we'll know more fall camp uh, after watching him a little bit more in person. Um, Rattler Kane 06 asks, seeing how NIL has dramatically changed the recruiting landscape, um, what do you consider to be the new blueprint for building a class? Previously, quarterbacks were the first dominoes of the class to drop. And now they're the ones looking for a huge payout and waiting it out. So I did look, Gabby, at the, the top 100 quarterbacks, uh, according to the composite ranking. Um, there's nine quarterbacks in the top 100. Five are currently committed uh, on May 31st, as things stand as we record it. And the schools that have those quarterbacks are USC, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama. So that means four top 100 quarterbacks are still waiting, um, including Dante Moore, who's a guy we, we discussed earlier, 
Um, do you think NIL has dramatically changed how, I guess, the, the timeline of recruiting classes, how they are built? How do you view that question? Because I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily buy it, but yeah. I, I kind of see where the question's coming from. I'm curious what you think. I think maybe for quarterbacks, I mean, I think maybe still having like this many available arms, maybe at this stage of the process. I don't know, David, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Like maybe this late in the game, it's maybe unique. There's more. Yeah. Um, but I think overall, I mean, how many kids are we seeing wait until like we've all, I feel like there's always been that wave of elite talent that waits until, you know, the early signing day or waits even till national signing day. Like, I think that there's always been kids and especially like throughout this, like June has like, like June has become such a, a big month. Like yes. all, you see a lot of these kids are all setting up multiple official visits in June. So, I mean, I think that just tells you that by the end of, you know, it, it just later in the summer, July, maybe even early August before they start school, like they will start making commitments. There'll I mean, be a, a lot wave of, then. Yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be a big wave here. So I think right now, I think it's easy to say, oh yeah, NIL, that's why all these kids aren't committed. But I mean, look at the recruiting rankings. Like there, it, it looks funky right now. I think right. Northwestern's in the top 10. Texas Tech is like in the top five, maybe top three. Um, you know, this is all going to end up like, you know, working itself out. Like Alabama doesn't have a ton of commitments right now. Like none of these schools are really loading up yet. I think by the end of the summer, I think everything will start to sort of normalize a little bit. And right. then, of course, into the fall. And some people want to make, you know, we'll take official visits during the fall to get those game day atmospheres and stuff like that. I'm not pegging all this on NIL at the moment. Um, I think we'll see down the road. I think if there's any impact on NIL, again, not everyone's getting these big, massive think, NIL deals. It's really just like big elite guys and definitely quarterbacks. I think the NIL stuff will be most interesting leading up to the signing days. Oh yeah. That's right? what it's going to get. That's, so that's it's where you can up. see flips and all this. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of movement in like those first two weeks of December and that to me will be all based on NIL. So to me, that's where it'll be interesting. This early stuff, you know, I don't know how much different it necessarily is really, um, but there's no doubt NIL is making an impact on recruiting. Um, it's just how much does, how much, <laughs> I mean, it's May, right? And we keep preaching here, recruiting's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and you know, that's hard to preach when you recover recruiting daily. I get that and follow recruiting daily. Um, but to me, you know, there's waves, right? So July, August, there's going to be a wave of commitments. There's gonna be a little bit of trickling commitments in during the fall. And then, you know, Thanksgiving to mid December, I think is going to be, unless there's guardrails in place, and things have been regulated by then. I think it's going to be total chaos with NIL flips. And I mean, recruiting is going to be very interesting, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, during that time. So For sure. unless they unless they actually decide to legislate it. Um, Hula asks, what three players on each side of the ball finished with the top three with the top pro football focus grades for the season. They reward being consistent more than anything. So grades might not perfectly reflect who made the most big plays 
or the flashiest plays. Um, let's say the filter is a minimum of 200 snaps this season. So a guy who has a pretty good, uh, pretty good amount in the playing rotation, Gabby. Um, and I think the question is just like, who do you expect to be the three most consistent players on offense and defense offense? I think the first two are easy. I think we'd agree in whatever order, Tyler Van Dyke and Zion. Yeah. Who would you go third? Um, I might go, I might go Xavier Strepo. Okay. I think that's, I think, no, I think that's who Kula actually went uh, with his list. Um, I think that's fair. I would, I'm somewhere between three guys. I think I would go either Jalen rivers. I think I would go Henry Parrish. Maybe I think I might even go Elijah Arroyo. I think Jalen rivers would be a big one to get two of those offensive linemen up there. Definitely. I think you could do it. Yeah. Uh, defense, who would you go? I'd probably go James Williams, Akeem Mesador. Um, I don't know. That third one would be would be kind of be tricky. What do you think? I'm somewhere between between Tyreek and Mitchell Agude. Uh, did, did we have the same top two? Yeah, I go Akeem and James. Okay. Um, I think I think I think Tyreek is is probably the safest bet there, right? Yeah, or Mitchell, but yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Tyreek fan. We can. Yeah, go I would. I would. Or, I'd probably go any combination of those guys. Cam my Kitchens. Ho- I was is, about to say that's probably my hot. That'd probably be like my Mister Consistency. Yeah, I think Camp Kitchens probably has a good shot okay. at you know being. I think he'd probably be the dark horse there. Yeah. Good question. All right, let's take a break and then we will tackle the remaining questions here. Maybe go rapid fire. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back. Uh, Next question, Gabby, comes from jblack33. In your opinion, is this 2023 class geared towards offense, defense, or a good mix of both? I think it's it's a pretty good mix of both. I mean, I I think there's a good, I think there's plenty of need on both sides of the ball. I think they got to sort of, go after the whole roster here. So I don't think they're favoring any single side of the ball. I agree. And, you know, I, 
it looks like the the 25 man limit is going to be rescinded for a couple years and so if that happens just you know miami and a bunch of schools i think might just load up right Right. so we'll see how the numbers play out um sean taylor for life asks without stargazing who is the best prospect physically you have seen that no one is really talking about much yeah, I, I love this question. I mean, I think easy answer for me is probably Adam Moore, the That's tight end. That's who I was gonna say. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he's one of those guys that like you watch him in seven on seven, and it's just like it's he might be one of the like he might be one of the best like seven on seven players so to like tell, watch. Share background on who Adam Moore is, like position yeah. size. Yeah. So Adam Moore, I mean, start. He was just at he was at Booker T. Washington the last few years. Um, he's a big kid. God, I didn't I didn't pull up his profile, but gosh, he's a he's a he's uh, thick. He's definitely thick. That's a good way to. So he's like six two, two thirty, two twenty. Yeah, he says we have him listed at six two, two twenty. I think he's like a tight end, wide receiver. He's like an H back. Yeah, I guess H back, but like you know, one that just goes over on top of people. Yeah, one handed catches, just makes all like just kind of like the contested catch machine. Uh, you know, he's a he's he's a dude, and um, yeah, I mean Adam Moore for me is is the answer there in terms of physicality. And I don't know, like, I'm not like advocating that Miami should go after him um, because again, he's an H back and all that. I do like him. I wouldn't be against it if Miami did go after him. Um, but he is a, like, if you want to talk under the radar type, he is the guy I, that came to mind for me. I'm yeah. also kind of a fan and you can maybe tell me why, why is he not a bigger deal? Uh, I like Antonio Smith at a Gulliver prep yeah. and I, I view him more as like a safety at yeah. the college level. Um, but I think there's something there. He's like six, two, six, three. Um, I think it runs well for a safety and I guess, you know, maybe physicality is a bit of a question mark, but I don't see why more power five schools aren't on him. Yeah. I think physicality is probably the biggest question there, but I, lo- I mean, I've always liked Antonio Smith. I think he's really good with the ball in the air. Like I think he's one of those guys that can definitely go up and get it. Um, you know, watching Gulliver against Shamanad Madonna, which is, you know, I mean, they won a state title. I mean, they played a, a really, really good schedule. Uh, I mean, he made two huge interceptions, you know, in, in that game. And, you know, I think he's a guy that always tries to, you know, finds a way to sort of, you know, be around the football. And, you know, I think he can, I think he's someone that's probably, you know, maybe a few years down the line, we're going to be like, you know, he right. could be playing, making plays at like UCF or, you know, right. maybe even like a West Virginia type where his teammate DeCarlo Donaldson just signed and, and Travis Lathan. And we, we could look back and be like, man, this kid was like, you know, he was right there in their backyard. And, you know, I think he's going to be those kids like down the road. He's going to end up having a better college career than maybe his high school career. Now I'm, I'm a fan. I always have been. So OB old school asks about other kind of local three-star guys. Uh, he wants to know about Stan Quan Clark linebacker slash safety um, out of Miami Killian and William Foles uh, wide receiver out of South Florida. Where does he go to school again? Is it Dade Miami? Christian? Dade Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Dade Christian. Um, he wants to know is Miami on them hard? What are the chances they are part of the class? Yeah. Uh, last I checked in with uh, Stan Quan Clark. I know he's someone that Miami's definitely evaluating at linebacker. Again, I think, go- I think beforehand, I think, um, you know, Stan Quan, I think the question, the big question with Stan Quan Clark was like, you know, physicality and, you know, is he going to be willing to hit? Is he going to be willing to tackle? I think he checked a lot of those boxes at that Palm Beach uh, Jamboree. I don't think the competition was super out of this world or anything like that, but I think he sort of, 
you know, made people, you know, I think he sort of maybe answered that or just made people feel a little bit better about that. So I definitely think Stan Quan Clark, someone mine is someone Miami is evaluating at linebacker again with this, you kind of take off this 25 man limit. And I mean, Stan Quan Clark's a guy that, you know, right. I would, I would throw him into the mix there. I wouldn't really think twice about that. So, um, you know, he's, he's someone athletic. I would like, yeah, he's athletic. I mean, was a safety kind of moved into the box. So he can definitely run. He can definitely move around. I've seen him play seven on seven a ton. And he definitely has the ball skills. I think he definitely has the right mentality too. I mean, you talk about one of these like alpha type of guys. And I think on the football field, Stan Quan's definitely one of those. So, I mean, Stan Quan probably more than William Foles. Um, I mean, I, I, from what I understand, Dave Christian is going to play in the seven on seven tournament at Miami on Saturday. So I think it'll be a really good opportunity for, you know, Miami's to sort of get eyes on him, to watch him sort of compete, assuming he's not visiting anywhere else. I'm not really sure what his visit schedule looks like, but, uh, you know, if he does get out after it and, and competes at Miami and, you know, performs, I could see Miami being pretty intrigued, but I just think the wide receiver crop that they're sort of into right now. And I think what they're sort of looking for in the right wide receivers right now, I'm not sure William Foles, um, you know, is, necessarily that type I, I think he's a good player i think he's going to end up at a power five program uh potentially and uh but i'm just not sure he's uh my like he's someone miami's necessarily on right now tags 305 asks most important recruit on each official Ooh. visit weekend that is june. A, that is a good one so let's uh, start with the first visit weekend june 3rd so right now we got three guys yep olaus Alinen, man, yeah. I butchered that. <laughs> uh, offensive tackle out of Connecticut. Tamir Robinson, edge rusher out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And safety, Jaden Bonsu out of New Jersey. I mean, to me, it's Jaden Bonsu. Um, just because again, what they want to do at safety. I mean, I, this they is the guy that, right? yeah, they, they really, really love it. Three star. Yeah, he's a three-star. I think we have him as an 88, I believe. Is that what we have? Yeah, we have him as yep. an 88. Um, yeah, Miami's been on him for a really long time. I mean, this is one of those tops. Like, every time I kind of, you know, inquire about safeties, I feel like he's one of the first names I always sort of get fed back to me. And, uh, you know, they were trying to get him on campus uh, over the course of the spring. Um, they weren't able to do that. So I think getting him back down here for an official visit is it's going to be pretty big. I think Ohio State might be tough to beat there. I think he has Texas, you know, as his last official visit. So I think, uh, you know, those are always two school, always two schools you want to watch for. But uh, I think I think right now, I think Jaden Bonsu is uh, one of those guys that Miami would really love to have at at safety. I think Tamir Robinson. Um, I know people have just always sort of indicated to me, especially some of those people, you know, from the region that, you know, staying close to home could be big for him. Uh, Olaus Allen. I mean, I, he's been to Alabama a few times already. I think he's already unofficially visited each of his finalists outside of Miami. So I just kind of sense him trending elsewhere, but, uh, that's why I feel like Jaden Bonsu has uh, become sort of, you know, the biggest guy there. Next weekend, we got David Hicks. Uh, this is the June 10th weekend. Right. David Hicks, five-star defensive lineman out of Texas. Antonio Tripp, who is an offensive lineman already committed to Miami. Uh, Jackson Carver, tight end, three-star out of Connecticut. Uh, Connor Liu, a offensive lineman, three-star out of Georgia. And Tony Rojas, a four-star linebacker out of Virginia. Who of that bunch would you single out? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you have to go with David Hicks. He's the number one ranked defensive lineman in the country. Um, I think that's a huge visit. But I mean, if Tony Rojas does, in fact, make the visit, uh, kind of heard whispers, you know, last week on the trail that 
you know, Tony Rojas might not make it again. I'm not really sure. I haven't really like officially, I'm that's still a situation that we're sort of monitoring. So I'm hoping, and you know, I think Miami's still expecting Tony Rojas to get in, but again, we're talking linebackers. I think that's probably one of the top guys on their radar. Um, so, I mean, Tony Rojas, I think becomes one of the biggest, I think he's probably the, again, outside of David Hicks, who's probably the obvious answer. I think Tony Rojas is like one of those big, important pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Connor Liu is also a guy that, you know, I think people at Miami are, are, are really, really high on in terms of like interior linemen. I, you know, again, I'm not like forecasting anything, but I think people at Miami feel pretty good about where they stand there. I think he has a, you know, top four, I think Clemson's in there, George's in there, uh, Miami and Auburn. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I think Miami's going to try to, you know, see what they can do there to lock that up. Then the June 17th weekend, you got five-star edge, Jaden Wayne, uh, four-star tight end, Riley Williams, four-star defensive lineman, Darren Reed, who's out of Georgia, Emery Williams, three-star quarterback out of the panhandle of Florida, and Logan Howlett, who uh, is currently not ranked, but he plays out of uh, New Jersey at the Hun School. So, of that bunch, who would you single out? Yeah, probably Jaden Wayne. I think between him or, or, or Riley Williams, uh, Jaden Wayne's obvious. I mean, just again, you're talking about, you know, sort of redoing this pro, you know, just kind of getting it right and, you know, winning these big time recruiting battles. I mean, Jaden Wayne would be just absolutely massive for Mario Cristobal and Miami, I guess this is going to be his third uh, time down to, to South Florida, you know, being all the way from the Pacific Northwest. So I think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, he was at paradise last year for his first unofficial visit was down for a few days, you know, for that elite prospect day weekend. And, uh, you know, to get back down for, for Miami to get one of those five official visits, I think is a, is a really big deal. So, um, I think Jaden Wayne's probably the one I would single out there. Then the final weekend, this is legends camp weekend. Uh, yeah, Malik Bryant, four star out of Orlando area, Monroe Freeling, four star offensive tackle out of South Carolina. Jackson Howard, four-star out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Collins, help me with the last name, Gabby. I don't know. I think it's Akeempong. I don't know. I heard it on his basketball tape, but now I can't remember it. Collins Akeempong out of Anaheim, California. Four-star, 6'7", 230. Um, offensive lineman, Jonathan Klein, three-star out of Georgia. And three-star offensive tackle, Tommy Kinsler out of Trinity Catholic in Ocala. And Madden Sanker, four-star out of Georgia, is visiting Thursday of that weekend. So of that bunch, who would you kind of highlight? Yeah, I mean, I think out of all those names, I mean, I'd probably go Jackson Howard. Um, you know, again, just kind of a guy that I think projects as like maybe like a defensive end type, maybe edge guy. Um, I think he's a big-time talent, and I think Miami's in a really good spot there. So, and th that's his that's his uh, fourth and final official visit. So, I think that that could be a big, big weekend for Miami in terms of again potentially locking him up. I mean, I think this is just probably the most exciting weekend of any yeah. of them, just considering who's sort of in town. I mean, you got to be really excited about Monroe Freeling, a big-time offensive tackle, Malik Bryan, a linebacker who's been around for a long time. Uh, that Collins Akiampong, he's a guy, he's a guy from, from Ghana. I think Miami offered him based on his freshman highlight tape because I don't think he played as a sophomore or a junior because his high school like canceled football. They like dis they discontinued the football program. 
And I think he was originally a basketball player. So I think like from when Miami offered him, um, I think I put him on one of like those first like stock up, stock down type things. Uh, you know, I heard from someone in Coral Gables that his freshman highlight film was offerable. And, you know, they think he's really excited, you know, that he has a crazy high ceiling as a, as a pass rusher. I mean, David, you mentioned the height, six foot seven, 230 pounds. So, I mean, a lot to be excited about there. Uh, Tommy Kinsler is a guy that I, you know, I put into, I put in that, insider also as an offensive tackle prospect. I think, you know, I think this is a name Miami fans might want to start getting pretty familiar with. I think he's someone that might be a little higher on the board than some might assume just looking at his star ranking, uh, you know, six, like foot six, six foot six, uh, three thirty out of Ocala. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I know this is someone that people in Coral Gables are extremely high on as an offensive tackle prospect. So um, I think as Miami fans, I think he's someone you might want to start sort of familiar, familiarizing yourself with. And then of course, Madden Sanker. Again, we talk about multi-sport athletes, two-time uh, state wrestling champ, uh, big time interior alignment pro- uh, prospects. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's maybe some other schools that are maybe leading the way over there, but uh, you know, I think he's another exciting one that mine you'll get back. Spaceman 10 basically wants to know about Jonel Aguero. Uh, he says he seems very pro Miami on Twitter. Any chance you see Miami landing him? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always kind of weary of that type of stuff just because again, he's going to be a, a down the line type of guy in terms of like, he's not making a decision. He could probably, he could potentially be an early signing day type of guy. So, I mean, I'm not reading into anyone's social media or what they're posting. I do think Miami has a really good chance there. I know when he came down to Miami for the spring game, he was training in Fort Lauderdale as well. And, um, you know, I do think Miami is in a, a pretty good spot there. I think they're going to fall into probably the, that group of five schools that, you know, gets a crack at him, um, you know, for an official visit. So I think that's, I think that's a good positive, you know, step there. Saad H0792 asks, there's a lot of blue chip prospects in central Florida this year from LeBlanc, Walker, McLean, Bryant, and so on. Do you think Central Florida has as many blue chip prospects for 2023, if not more than South Florida this year? I mean, I think Central Florida is pretty loaded, uh, definitely has their fair share of guys. But I mean, I just think I South still Florida. think South Florida. Yeah, South Florida is stronger. Just, yes, I, I think so, too. And again, they have again, they have some serious talent. I mean, I think, uh, you know, they didn't mention Cedric Baxter as well. Right. There, there, there is plenty of guys. Cameron James is another guy. I mean, Central Florida is is loaded between Orlando and you know that whole all the outskirts of Orlando into Tampa, the outskirts of Tampa, all that type of stuff. A ton of talent there, but I think it'll be hard to top what you got in South Florida. I mean, you got three five star receivers alone in, in between uh, Dade and, and 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 Broward County, plus you know everything else that they sort of got going on there. So you know, I would probably still lean South Florida right now. Right. I do think Cormani McLean, if you want to count him, Central is Polk County, Central Florida. I guess it is. I guess, yeah. Um, Cormani McLean, probably the best of the bunch. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, honestly, I would go Cedric Baxter, number two in that Central Florida bunch. Um, but then after Cedric, you know, I feel like Brandon Innes is better than Cedric Baxter, Hakeem Williams better than Cedric Baxter. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's more depth in, uh, South Florida. And I think, I think as the rankings update, we'll see, you know, how these central Florida guys hold up in, in those rankings updates. Um, 
King Kane 21 asks, what recruit could you see committing in June? That would be the biggest domino to get this class rolling. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I think someone I just, I, someone I just mentioned, maybe Jackson Howard, I think at the end of the month yeah. could potentially be that guy. Um, you know, I, I like, again, I'm not forecasting anything, but Jackson Howard's one of those types where I could see him maybe committing like while on the official visit, whether that be silently or, or, you know, publicly or whatever it is. I mean, I think if any of these guys are on that, like visit commit, commit watch, I could see, you know, I would put Jackson Howard in that group, maybe even like a Connor Lou type, um, you know, even maybe like a Jackson Carver. Like, I think that there's a couple guys here that are, could be like commit while on the official visit types. But uh, I think one guy that could, you know, make a splash that would make a splash, I think would be, uh, would be Jackson Howard. Jada478 asks, most important or potentially impact off-field hire? That's good. Most important or potentially impactful off-field Do we count? Hire. Like, does Aaron Feld count? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would assume that he, he does, right? Like, So I would I mean, put him number one, but let's say we take Aaron Feld off the table. Yeah, I mean, I would probably go Jason Taylor. I think Jason Taylor yeah, is... Same. I think the idea of... More than Alonzo? I mean, I think from a recruiting standpoint, yeah. Like, okay. I think I think in the eyes, again, I'm just like me that I'm just kind of like maybe just wired that way because of how That's I like approach this. Like, I think from to a, me, those a, are the three. Yeah. Feld, Highsmith, Taylor. Yeah. I mean, I think just defensive linemen, like just you kind of, you kind of tease like, you know, hey, I could learn from Jason Taylor. Like, I think that yeah. that matters. Like, I think even like Nicholas Harbor or something had mentioned something about Jason Taylor. To, really? Yeah, that like, you know, just the thought like, you know, Jason Taylor's there. Like, I think that's something that matters. I think when you hear Jason Taylor is at Miami, I just think that sort of like clicks for defensive linemen. Like, this is a really great opportunity, you know, to learn from, you know, one of the best ever to do it. The Duke, we'll wrap it up on this question. The Duke asks, how big do you think the gap still is between Clemson and Miami? Yeah, I think right now it's still, I mean, just from an overall talent standpoint, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's massive, but I think I do think that there's a pretty it's, big gap. There's a gap, yeah. There's definitely a gap. I, I'm interested to see just because of Clemson's, like, maybe, like, unwillingness to, like, go with the transfer portal. Um, again, they still recruit at a really high at a really high rate. But, um, you know, I'm interested to see now that there's no Brent Venables and those types of guys, like right. how recruiting sort of changes. They typically don't sign very big classes. So I'm wondering if like numbers eventually catch up to them, if they're not willing to go with it to the portal. And if they have a down year or two, like, you know, they had a, a quote unquote down year last year. If they have a, maybe a, if they follow that up with maybe another one and they don't have like the numbers and they don't adapt to the transfer portal, how that sort of impacts them, you know, maybe a couple years down the line. But I think for now, right now, with what they got on the roster, I think there's still a, I think there's still definitely a gap. They kind of remind like where they're at right now kind of reminds me of like those Miami teams of like 2003, 2004, 2005, like those Miami teams were stacked on defense. They could lock you down on defense. They had good running backs. Um, the quarterback play was okay at times, um, but it wasn't at the level that it was the previous three years or so. Um, but the bottom line is those Miami teams still won, still won nine or 10 games, uh, still knew how to win um, close games. Um, still knew how to beat plenty of talented ranked teams, right? 
Um, so that's kind of how I view Clemson right now. And that version of Clemson is still, you know, better than what Miami is right now. Miami right. is trying to get to the level of a Clemson type program, if we're being honest. Um, so yeah, to me, like right now, the defensive gap is significant. Like that Clemson defense, it'll be the best in the ACC and it'll be one of the best in the country. Um, their defensive line is ridiculous. Uh, Miami, of course, has the better quarterback, which matters significantly. Um, but staying on the, that, that offensive side, you know, Clemson, to me, I, I think Clemson's offensive line is better. And I think their receiver and running back situation, I'd still give like a, a, a slight edge to Clemson. Um, and, you know, Clemson's receiver situation isn't all that great. Right. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not as wide. Like, you know, the past three meetings between the two programs haven't been close. Like Clemson's in the first two Clemson just destroyed Miami. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this last one wasn't that close either. Um, but the score was a little closer. Um, uh, Miami, Miami's closed or I should say Clemson's come back to the pack pack. Um, and so now it's up to Miami to kind of overtake them. Um, can they? Yeah. Uh, but again, that defense is going to have to tighten up and, um, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, I think is going to have to big game and Miami's going to have to finally like show they know how to win a big game, you know, how to, how to start fast, right? Not show up scared and finish the game. Um, that's a big hurdle that this program has to clear right now because they've lost that identity over the past fifteen years or so. And I think if uh, Clemson hits with Cade Klubnik, I think that that'll sort of get them right. back on track towards like the, tra- the trajectory that they were on before maybe this hiccup. Right. So Miami could definitely be playing a, a talented true freshman quarterback at that point in the season, right? Um, Kate Klubnik, if DJ Oyangalale still struggled with his accuracy and, and confidence issues, uh, they can they can go to a talented young player that they have waiting in the wings. So uh, we will see. That was fun. Enjoyed the mailbag questions. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. June camp season right around the corner so recruiting is going to pick up and uh as always stay locked on to insideview.com and uh till next time take care okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.